back and I think, what must God be feeling in this moment? And I think he feels incredible joy and, and, and blessing. And he knows our love. Amazing thing. It's a fantastic thing that we get to do to bless God. And I hope uh, every ounce of your being was caught up in that song. I sense that for many of us that was the case. I'm going to uh, speak today about experiencing God. And I'm going to ask you essentially, do you? Um, I mean, in your life, as you go through your life day by day, week by week, month by by month, is this something that is part of your experience? Where God shows up and God acts in, in, in power in significant ways. Do you experience him working in your life? I'm asking this because we're in this David and Goliath series, this incredible story of a, a young man who faced down a giant and, and was victorious over him, this, this incredible story from so long ago. He certainly on that day, as David fought Goliath, experienced the presence and the power of God at work in him. You know, he said, the battle is the Lord's. He recognized, David recognized, this isn't my battle. I mean, I have to engage it, but there's something greater uh, than me who is going to slay this giant. It's God who is going to become active through me uh, to gain the victory. Um, and, and, and in a powerful and significant way, he had great faith and he had complete confidence as he ran toward that killing machine, as I've called Goliath in this series, uh, that God would be with him and that God would do what God needed to do. An incredible story. You know, this is a high point in David's life. I want to say this. Uh, this is a point where, which gave him incredible popularity uh, among the Israelite people. This is, a, this is the experience that ultimately led to him becoming king because people so loved and admired him for what he had done. But it's a high point, and David a lot, had lots of low points in his life. You know, I need mention no other names than Bathsheba and Uriah, and we all recognize that sometimes David was not on his game. <laughs> And he blew it. There was a time of rebellion that was happening, and he literally acted as if he had gone insane in order to save his own life. Not something very dignified for the anointed king of Israel. So he had moments in his life when he failed miserably before God. But this one, this is the epic story of incredible success. You know, 3,000 years roughly later, think about it, 3,000 years later, we're still talking about what happened that day. Uh, and, and he takes the, the pose, if you would, of an heroic figure battling the enemy. Um, and what, what we're going to think about uh, again today is why. Why was it that he was able to get himself to that place where he had that confidence and he had that deep, settled faith in his heart that God would empower him and God would enable him to succeed over such a, a powerful man as Goliath? You know, last week we looked at uh, the, the, the question for the first time and we recognized he experienced the anointing of God and, and he uh, identified his enemy and then he, he had this incredible determination rise up within him that said, this is wrong, this taunting giant, this one who is mocking the armies of God. There's something that rose up in him and he said, this cannot be left alone. This cannot stand and I'm going to do something about it. I'm even going to put my life in the line in order that this stop now and I hope even in this last week, that you have gone to God and you have called on the Lord to give you that anointing in your life and in his presence, time and again, you've known the filling of God's Holy Spirit. And I know, I hope that even through this t teaching of this series, you've identified who your true enemy is and he's represented in Goliath. That is the enemy of our souls, the devil. And I hope, oh, I hope how uh, as you do so, something is rising up within you and saying, this thing with the, with the, the, that the enemy has accomplished in my life cannot stand. I'm not going to allow it to stand. 
whether that be a stronghold that's taken place in your life, whether that be an injustice in our society, you look at the enemy and you look what the enemy is accomplishing and you say, I am going to put my life in the line to see this overcome. This needs to end and it needs to end now. That's my, you know, I don't preach this stuff just for fun, right? Like just to occupy you on a Sunday morning. This needs to transform our lives and my hope and my prayer is it's transformative week by week by week. And that these things are actually taking root in your life in a new way. Well, today we're going to look at another reason of why. Why was David able to do it? If I had been David in that day, if I had been there in that day, would I have been like, like him? Would you? You know, I have to honestly answer the question and say, I don't think I would have run at the devil or the, uh, uh, Goliath, the enemy. I just know me. I'm way too human. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have. I have no confidence that I would have done what he did. But there are reasons that he did. There were, there were things in place in his life, and we're going to look at another one here today. I'm going to read to you from uh, 1 Samuel 17, 32 to 37. This is when um, David is engaging with King Saul, and he's trying to get uh, you know, the king to allow him to go fight Goliath. Right? So here, here's part of the interaction. David said to Saul the king, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Can you hear the attitude? <laughs> this Philistine, you know. Your servant will go and fight him. He offers himself. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. He's a shepherd. That's all. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. It's a remarkable thing that we're given in this this, this description of David and his heart and his perspective. What's going on here? I want to tell you, this is actually an incredibly simple point this morning that I have for you. But it is this. David had experienced God working through him before in lesser ways. He had seen God save him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He had experienced this divine enablement of God uh, those times when he fought the lion and the bear. And he knew beyond any doubt that God would save him in this instance. He knew God would show up. He knew God would act. He knew God's power would be given to him and that in the end he would prevail. He had an absolute confidence, an absolute conviction about this. You see, God had prepared him for this struggle by proving himself to David before. It's a principle here. It's a spiritual principle. It's a principle that's operative in the kingdom of God, and I hope you're all part of that kingdom where Christ is king and you believe in him with all of your heart. And the principle is this. When we experience God in the little things, we, we are, will be enabled to be faithful and confident that God will come and save us and rescue us and deliver us and work through us in power in the big things. That's simple, but it's true. You see it? You start with the small issues of life. You experience the power of God. You know the presence of God. You know the action of God taking place in and through you and for you. So that when the great times of challenge and difficulty come in life, the reality is that we will know that God will be present and that God will act. And we will be sure that God will do so again in us. Now I want to suggest, my friends, that the 
implication here very obviously is that the opposite is also true. You know, we see it in the armies of Israel. Um, if we have not had experience of God in our lives, if we have not seen God overcome the smaller challenges, we will not be in a place where, we'll, where we will be confident, confident and assured and full of faith when the big challenges come. When those times come, when we face the enemies, the enemy in ways that we have described before, we will be afraid like the army and we will run away and we will feel our lives threatened and we will end up in defeat. Now I want you to notice, I don't say if those challenges which are bigger will come, I say when they come. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, and this is the passage we paralleled with the David and Goliath story. But listen, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. It doesn't say if the day of evil comes. It says when it comes, and it's coming. See, we have an enemy who plans and strategizes to attack us, the devil, you know, usually in areas of our own personal weakness and vulnerability. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And the question is, how will we be when that time comes? So the question really of today, as simple as it is, is are you experiencing the presence of God and his power in your life? You know, have you, have you already come into that experience or do you need to see more of God move in your life in the little things? So much so that you will be prepared when the big challenges come. I want to tell you, my friends, this speaks of the nature of our relationship with God. You know, there are some people who believe in God and, 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 and you know, kind of get it and they're in the family of God, but God is at arm's length in their lives. Do you get that? You know, God is somewhere out there. God is real in their hearts and their minds and it's sincere, but he's not here. He's not with me. He's not acting. He's not present. He's not powerfully moving in us. That's, that's something that some people, even as Christian people, get very content with. Uh, they actually think it's normal. I want to tell you, my friends, that's not to be normal in our lives. You see, the object of faith <laughs> is to be someone who is experienced. And it's pretty clear, again, the Israelite army, they knew God. They were God's people. They would have grown up hearing about the exploits of God in the, in the history of the nation of Israel. They would know of this God. But it's pretty clear <laughs> that they hadn't had any previous experience such as David had. They knew nothing of that which... Uh, of the power of God working in and through them so that they, were, they, they ended up afraid of Goliath and running away from him in fear. I want to say this morning it's possible to be followers of Jesus Christ, to believe in him, to be in the family of God, but to have an arm's-length arms experience of God. And I want to say this morning that I hope and I pray with all of my heart that that's not you. Let me illustrate this for you. Fifteen years ago, I would guess, um, roughly, we um, had done uh, all the work to build this building. You're in that smaller building down the road, many of you will be familiar with. And the elders knew in their heart, the spiritual leaders of this church knew at a deep level in the, their heart that this is what God wanted us to do. That's what elders do. That is our first and primary responsibility to get into the presence of God and to seek the mind of God, to know what he wants for us. It is as God leads the elders that the elders can then lead the church. And there was a deep conviction in our hearts that this is what we had to do. 
And of course, we did all the work and we did the planning process that took forever and we, had, we engaged a builder and we had an architect design the whole thing. Everything was ready to go. Now, it came time for us to borrow the money to take a mortgage. And, and the projections had been something like, and I can't remember exactly the numbers, I think I'm pretty close, but the projection was something like we would have to borrow $2.5 million to put this building up. And I want to tell you, we weren't people who were used to borrowing in the millions of dollars. Like this, this was significant for us. Um, and, and the final calculation was all done and the building, builder's expenses and everything finally came together and uh, the chair of the building committee came to me and said, Chris, actually the number is not 2.5 million, it's 3.1. And oh good. <laughs> and my first thought was, what on earth are the elders going to do with this? And I thought about it and I prayed about it and I came to the conclusion, all I can do is gather them together and tell them. I mean, I can't do anything other than that. So one night we did that, and I can literally picture this in my mind. I gathered them together. We, we were having a meeting together, and I told them exactly what had, had been told to me. And there was about that 30 or 40 second moment of silence, you know? <laughs> you, you get, like, literally kind of people put their heads down, and they were thinking, and, and I just thought, like, leave it alone. And Kara McLaughlin, who was with us in the first service, spoke. And I think I can quote her almost to the word, it made such an impression on me at the time. And Carol said this, when we hired our first youth pastor, and that had been years prior, and it ended up we hired a half-time youth pastor, and it cost us $13,000. But she said, when we hired our first youth pastor, we didn't have the money, but we believed it was what God wanted, so we did it. And God provided. And then she said this, the only difference here is the amount of money. So I think we should move forward. Oh, I got goosebumps again. It was an incredible moment. And you know, she said it. People nodded their heads. Somebody made a motion, someone seconded it. We all voted in favor and pff, moved on to other business. And I sat there awed. I was so proud of those people because they acted in deep faith and in a confidence, knowing that God would provide for us, no matter how big the bill was because he had led us to do what we were doing and he would provide for us again. Do you see it, my friends? Do, do, do you see the reality? You see, here they had the confidence because God had proved himself prior. We had experienced him in the little things, the hiring of a youth pastor. By the way, it didn't feel little at the time. <laughs> Other little things had come before that as well. But he, God had proved himself in the little things so that when came time for the big challenge, they were ready to be faithful and confident in him. My question to you today is, are you experiencing God? Are you experiencing God? Are you seeing him act in your life all the time in the small ways so that you will be prepared for the big challenges which will come? I'm going to give you some, some, some teaching, some examples and so forth. Number one, are you experiencing him in answered prayer? A lot of people might hear that kind of, kind of comment and go, that's all bland, you know, I pray, sure, God, I, I pray, and yeah, God answers prayer. And, but I, I want to I bring you a verse that I, uh, I brought during our series uh, at the beginning of this year where I, we went through uh, the passage of, in John chapter 15, verse 1 and following. And, and Jesus said something in that text which has really impacted me. It, it sticks with me. You know, you guys think you get impacted by my preaching? <laughs> I get impacted by my preaching. I get impacted by God and by God's word. And this is the verse, John 15, verse 7. 
Jesus speaking, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I want to tell you that is a phenomenal statement of truth. Jesus is saying, if you will live in me, if you will nurture that intimate relationship with me, if you will come to me and make your home in me, the, the uh, message version of the Bible says, and, and dwell in me, all these different verses that are ways of expressing this, this idea of having intimate relationship with Christ. If you will nurture that relationship and live your life with me and me at the heart of your experience, and if my words remain in you, if you go to this book over and over again, and if you allow them to become my words powerfully impressing themselves upon you, just as this verse has impressed itself upon me by way of illustration. If you allow me to speak through the book to guide your life and to strengthen you when you need it and to be the vehicle whereby you encounter me in my truth, he says, ask me whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. My friends, I want to tell you that is an absolutely dramatic and remarkable possibility that every single one of us has. And I want to say there are conditions for this reality. You know, we just don't go running to God. I think I said this in January or whenever this was. You just don't go running to God when a crisis hits your life and expect God to, you know, pop into action for you. There are conditions. Remain in me. Intimate relationship. Ongoing connection. And my words remain in you. Study of Scripture and allowing it to reach deep into your soul. But when those conditions are in place, you, I'm telling you right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, can ask anything of him and he's going to do it for you. Think of the potential that belongs to a single follower of Christ to overcome the power of evil in this world, to accomplish the will of God in this world. And here's my question for you. Is this dynamic reality your experience day after day after day? Are you asking things of God, meeting the conditions of Jesus, and seeing God move in mighty ways simply because you asked him to? My fear is too many Christian people, good Christian people, will say, no, that's not my reality. My friends, I want to come into your presence today and I want to say, make it your reality. Get into that place of intimate relationship with Christ. Live in the book day after day and ask the Lord what you wish from your heart of hearts, which will be in tune with the heart of God, by the way. And you will see God work in mighty ways through you. And then when that day of evil comes, you'll be able to ask God of some pretty remarkable things. And you will depend on him for the answers, and your faith will be strong, and you will have a confidence, and in the end you will overcome. Because God has proved himself over and over and over again. Why on earth would he not do it now? I think of giving in a biblical way, tithing, as the Bible teaches us to tithe. Giving in the way that God calls us to give so that we then have the opportunity to see God act. I'm going to give reference to a passage in 1 Kings 17, and I, I hadn't really noticed this until this morning, but it's the story of Elijah going to a, a, a woman who had been widowed and was very poor and was in desperate straits. It's only this morning I realized this is one of the texts I taught 15 or 12 years ago when we were preparing to raise, and we were raising funds, a lot of funds, to put this building up. And you, as God's people, were incredibly faithful. But I want to read to you 1 Kings 17, 12 to 16. The prophet is Elijah, and God is speaking through him to this woman. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied. Oh, Elijah has asked her for a meal, okay, um, as he has come to this location. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar, in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. 
I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. <laughs> She's at the end of her resources. She's in trouble. Elijah the prophet said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. See, here's the thing, my friends. I hear people sometimes say, I can't afford to tithe. I can't do it. My money's tied up in other ways. And, uh, and you know, if, if I were actually to give 10% of my income to God, I wouldn't be able to pay my bills and, and so on and so forth. Um, and as a result, those people never give God the opportunity. I don't even like to talk in those terms, but they never give God the opportunity to prove himself present and powerful and alive in their experience. And they never see God moving dramatically to meet their need simply because, like this woman, they were obedient to the voice of God in their lives. See, they never end up awed by the power of God. They never end up just amazed by the love of God and the presence of God to do dramatic things in provision. I spoke to a couple uh, lately uh, whose finances are really challenging right now. They're on a fixed income. and You know, they said, would you pray for us? Keep us in prayer. But in the end of the conversation, you know what they said to me? They said, but you know what? We're okay because God has looked after us before. And he'll do it again. And those people weren't worried. <laughs> those people weren't sweating buckets. Those people stood in confidence and in faith because they had got, encountered God provide for, provide for them previously. And because God had proved himself to them previously, he, he, they knew in their heart of hearts that, that he would do it again. Do you see it? Experience God in the little things. And the next time when the big challenge comes, you will be strong in faith and powerful in the hand of God to accomplish his purposes. You know, in this series, I've asked you uh, what your struggle is, and I've identified various ones. Financial struggles, emotional struggles, physical struggles, relational struggles, you know, all kinds of difficulties and challenges that we've talked about. And we've recognized, as Ephesians 6 says, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, I'm saying that a lot because I hope it'll stick. <laughs> You know, and our struggle, you know, is rooted there. It, it begins there. And I want to ask you, do you know, now know what your struggle is? Are you, have you zeroed in on something? Are you recognizing there's an area in my life where the enemy is at work, but God can overcome just as David overcame Goliath? If you haven't, I regret that. Because somehow th this teaching is never going to take such, you know, dynamic root in your life. But if you know the struggle... There's opportunity to see God work. Well, there have been times in my life when I've just been down. How many people have been down in life before? Life filled with sorrow, sadness, depression? Put your hands way up in the air, please. Okay, that's better. Because I know the percentage of the population that struggles with some level of depression, and it's very high. <laughs> um, it's very, very common in life. There's some people who don't, and God bless them. I'm, they, you, if that's you, need to be incredibly thankful for that. But I've been there before. 
And there have been times when I have, a, I have prayed against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, which were evidencing themselves in my life through an expression of depression. And as I prayed in the name of Christ, I want to tell you, my friends, it's like a cloud of darkness just lifted from my life and disappeared. I prayed something like this. In the name and in the authority of Jesus Christ, the risen and powerful Son of God, I command any emissary from the kingdom of darkness to leave me and to go to the throne room of God for him to do what he wishes with you. I exercise the authority and the power of Jesus. And the source of my struggle evaporated. And I was freed from that feeling of sorrow and sadness. Now I want to tell you there have been times in my life when I have been struggling and I have prayed that prayer and nothing happened because in that moment, evil was not the source of my sorrow, my sadness. And I needed to go through a time, a season of restoration of my soul. And God does incredible and powerful things in those seasons. But I want to tell you there have been times when God has showed up and God's power has been made real in my life and the evil enemy has been overcome. And I want to tell you, if you will speak and pray against the source of your struggle and your difficulty, if indeed that's the source of your struggle, and so often it is, you too will experience the power of God in your life, freeing you, liberating you, so that you might know the life that God has for you. You too can see God act in profound and dramatic and beautiful ways. So that when the real challenging and difficult time comes, you're just going to know that you know that you know that he's going to do it again. You know, uh, years ago again, I'm thinking late 90s, I think, and this is a long time ago now, but our elders were having a retreat upstairs at the back of our old building. Some of you will remember it. And we had called someone in to, to teach us about um, uh, healing prayer, inner healing prayer. And how God, by his power, can heal us in our deepest, deepest wounds and so forth, and even physically. Uh, this man's name was Calvin Brown. He was a minister in our church, a very godly, very spiritual man. And he came for a Saturday all day long. We met with him, and, and he coached us, and he taught us. We were thinking of instituting the ministry in our church, of course. And one of the things that he said during the course of that day was, whenever you deal with the enemy... And he was dealing with the source of our struggles, which <laughs> is what you know. And he said, when you're dealing with the enemy, it is so, so important to always pray for protection for yourself as the minister, whether you're a pastor or not, but as the one who's doing ministry. Pray for protection for yourself and for your family against the enemy who will be at work. As you work, you will, if not, you will be attacked. And you need to know that protection. So the, the, that was a great day. I mean, we learned lots of great things. So I, I went home and, and, you know, having dinner, and I just felt it was, the, it was the strangest thing. It was dramatic that within about 20 minutes, I was experiencing the full-blown symptoms of a flu. You know when your body aches and you feel terrible all over? And I was like, what? What happened? How did that happen? I've never had that happen to me before or since. And I got thinking about the things that Calvin had said, so I called him. He said, Calvin, sorry to bother you so quickly after you being here all day, but you said that when we deal with these things and we deal with the reality of the enemy at work in our lives, we have to pray for, pray for protection against what he might do to us. I said, I know you didn't pray when we were together today, but did you pray for us prior? He said, well, to tell you the truth, I didn't know. I said, okay, well, thanks a lot, buddy. Click. 
No, I didn't say that. But I went away and I prayed, and I prayed in the fashion that I just described to you, and I prayed that if, in the name and the authority of Jesus that any, any um, dark angel from the kingdom of darkness who was working against my body and bringing me sickness would be cast away. And I want to tell you, just as that, that sickness had invaded my life within about 20 minutes, I'd say within about 10 minutes it lifted and was gone. It was like a miracle because it was a miracle, Right? Because God had showed up in his power. God had proved himself to me again. God had showed me his love. And God had overcome the enemy and gained victory in my life. Amazing day. Amazing. My point here is this, my friends. We need to experience the power of God. We need to know that the Lord is real and he is present and that he is able to accomplish and that he can overcome in and through us in order that we might have confidence like David had so when the day of evil comes, we will be able to overcome the enemy and we can know victory. No, last text that I'm going to give to you, and I've got the time to do it today. I've been reflecting on a bunch of psalms, kind of Psalm 108 to Psalm 114 in recent months, just dwelling in them, living them, kind of in my personal devotional life. And in Psalm 114, the psalmist goes through the three incidents which uh, come from the history of Israel when God showed up in really remarkable ways and did incredible things for him, for them. The third incident is when God came to the people of Israel. They're in their desert. They have no water. They're going to die because they have nothing to drink. And God says to Moses, I want you to take your staff and I want you to strike the rock. And Moses does this, and, 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 and water flows from the rock, and the people are provided for. God shows up in power and saves them. This is what God wants to do over and over again in our lives. Um, and at the end of this psalm, uh, after reflecting on what God has done, verse 8 of Psalm 114 says this. He, God, turned the rock into a pool of water. Yes, a spring of water flowed from a solid rock. Again, you just read scripture superficially think, oh, that's nice. I'm going to say it differently. The psalmist is now speaking. People, people of God, do you, do you understand that God turned a rock into a pool of water? Do, do you get this thing that God showed up in power and he turned a rock into a pool of water so that we could drink and survive? Do you understand what God did for us that day? You see, on this day, God showed up in power and he proved himself to the people of Israel that they might know who God is in heaven, that they might know that they can trust him, that they might know that he can save them in any circumstance. My friends, this is... This is a remarkable thing because I, I, I've reflected upon it and I thought about Moses and I thought about his staff, the staff that he used to strike the rock in faith in that instance. Why did Moses have any faith? Because there was a day God came to Moses and said, I'm going to send you to free my people and I want you to throw that staff on the ground and he, he threw it on the ground and it became a snake, a serpent. And God says, pick it up by the tail, not the safe end, the tail. So Moses did exactly what God had told him. It became a staff again. He had experienced the power of God previously. And I could go through step by step, but let me just remind you that he came to the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his murderous horde is bearing down on the people of Israel. And God, God told Moses to use his staff and he used the staff and the water of the Red Sea spread and split in half so that the people of Israel might be saved. So when God comes along and he says, Moses, use the staff to hit the rocks, I'm going to, okay. I get it. Boom, power of God flows and water flows and the people are saved. 
It's because of his previous experience that Moses was prepared to do an incredible thing for God. So here's the deal, my friends. I'm wondering today, who is here who longs to see God act in power in their life? Who, who here is willing to say, I am tired of mediocrity in Christianity. I am tired of believing the right stuff but not seeing the reality and not being able to live the reality. Who here has a deep passion and desire to experience the presence and the power of God and experience that power moving through them? Maybe in little ways so that someday when it's absolutely important, you will be ready to stand in power in face of the enemy so that to use Ephesians 6's words in the end to still stand after the attack has come. Who here wants to be a powerful tool in the hand of God to accomplish something significant and mighty for him? Basic, basic lesson in this passage is that every person who claims faith in Jesus has the capacity to be a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. This isn't reserved for someone named David. This is for all God's people. You see, see, God has this desire and he has sent his son Christ into this world who has died on a cross and been raised to new life so that the kingdom of God might cover this, this earth from one end of the planet to another so that evil will be defeated and destroyed and it will be someday because God has so ordained it. But he has established his church that we might be filled with his spirit, that we might encounter him in power, that we might become mighty warriors so that evil is destroyed just as Goliath was destroyed that day. And what I'm trying to tell you is every single person here who claims the name of Jesus and trusts in him can be used in a powerful and in a mighty way to destroy the force of evil in this world. It might be a force of evil that's at work in your life, those strongholds that we've talked about, those ideas that have been given to you which you now believe, which keep you from life in Christ in the way that he intends you to live it. It might be an injustice in our society, as I have said, and you're going to say, no more am I going to stand for that reality. This is contrary to the will of God. This is contrary to the way of God, and I'm going to give my life to see it overcome. I don't know how it is that God wishes to work in your life. I just know that he does. He calls you and me to be David, to experience God in the little things, and then ultimately to experience God in the big things and to be so used by the Lord in heaven, the almighty God, that God's work is done in a powerful way, that God himself moves in and through us to accomplish the goal for which Jesus Christ died and rose again. Now, can you imagine if the 400 of us who gather ballpark on a Sunday morning here became such mighty warriors, what this church would be, what a difference this church would make in this world? You might be sitting there thinking, oh, Chris, that's not me. I couldn't do that. Nonsense. Do not deny the truth of Scripture for your life. And I say to you, we are supposed to be experiencing the presence and the power of God flowing through us, accomplishing his purposes so that the enemy falls flat in his face. We are supposed to be accomplishing that as individuals. We're to, be, to see that happening as a congregation of God's people. And I say to you, what place are you in right now? Are you in a place of great faith or are you in a place of weak faith? Are you in a place of courage and, and spiritual strength or are you in a place of fear? Are you in a place where you are a mighty warrior for God? Are you like that Israelite army running away in fear, saying, not me, I can't do it? My friends, I want to suggest to you the word of God is incredibly clear on this one. <laughs> this, is not, this is not hard when you read the text. 
the, the, the story is clear, the teaching is clear, not only from 1 Samuel 17, but also from Ephesians chapter 6 and so many other places in the Bible. God wishes to use your life and my life to accomplish his purposes. God wishes to use your life and my life through which he will exercise his power at the beginning in small ways, later on in big ways. This is how our faith is developed. This is how people become people of magnificent and beautiful faith. It's a journey. But he wishes to do it so that the power of evil is destroyed. I've quoted to you before that verse. The devil in scripture is called the prince of the power of the air for the moment. Because God has a plan for this world and for him. And he will destroy that enemy of our souls. And he will accomplish his kingdom in this world. And he will do it through us, his church. That is his plan. There is no plan B. It is us. As we take this to heart, as we give ourselves with passion to encountering the reality of God, a God who is not distant, but a God who is close, a God who is powerful, and a God who will use us, who will work through us to do mighty things in his name. Let me pray. God, it's time for the church of Christ to rise up again and become what was always intended to be. And we've talked about that this morning, Lord. It is time when the enemy of our souls has had such success in our country and in our society for such a long time for the church of Christ to again become what it can be, empowered by you, Lord, so that through us as individual people, through us as a corporate entity, this covenant community of, of God, that, Lord, your power will be exercised and the enemy will be defeated time and time and time again. God, there may be people here today who just have this deep passion in their hearts to experience you in this way. Um, and Lord, if that's the case, that even already is the work of your spirit in them. And I pray your blessing on them. And I pray, Lord, as they give themselves in prayer to remaining in you and having their, your word remain in them, that you will use them mightily as they simply utter prayers through which you will move. God, I pray for people, God, who who just need to, to, to learn to live in obedience to you, whether it be in tithing or otherwise, I pray that you will prove to them that you are the provider, that you can give to us what we need, that we are never without, we never need to fear because you are there. God, how I pray that you will work in such a fashion that we will be the people that you call us to be, that we will be the people that we need to be, Lord, so that we experience again and again and again the remarkable power of your risen son, the Lord Jesus, as we pray and speak against our enemy so that we are freed and so that others are freed from the enemy's power. God, where there are strongholds, I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you will break them, that you will demolish them, as you say in 2 Corinthians 10, so that we are free to think and believe the truth at a deep level and be free. God, I pray that you will move among us and that we as a congregation will become a mighty force in your hand for the kingdom of God. And that we will all experience your power providing for us, flowing through us to the destruction of the enemy and his causes in this world. God bless every person here who claims faith in your son. And allow them to go deeper in their faith. Allow them to embrace this reality and allow them to discover what David knew to be true, that God is with me and that God is a mighty God and that the battle is the Lord's. Prove this reality to us, our Lord, in the ways which each of us need right now so that when the day of evil comes, God, we will stand strong in Jesus.
the enemy will fail. God, accomplish your purposes in us, we pray. And our Lord, we pray it in the powerful name of the risen Christ.